Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. We're carrying on with the book of James, which is a small book, just five chapters, but it's got loads of really practical advice in it. I'm going to move that to the side because I hate barriers between me and who I'm speaking to. Right. Now, when somebody has got, is really, really enthusiastic about something, you say they've got fire where? Hmm? Fire in their belly. Now, the bit I'm going to read in a minute tells us that each one of us, you, all, every one of you and me, we've got fire in our mouths. Did you know that? You've got fire in your mouths. Now, here it is, James chapter 3, and I'm reading from the message translation because it's, it's rather more vivid. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. Good start. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person. If there's anybody any any illusions that they might be perfect, we'll soon dis, we'll soon disabuse you of that idea. Um, you'd have a perfect person, in fact, perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation and send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. So, the fire in your mouth is a very little thing. And it is. I've all got one. Different things. You know, some of you can, turn, can make your tongue like fold, like Liz is doing. I can't do it. There's a, some of us have got a gene that doesn't allow us to curl our tongue. I don't know how many. Who can curl their tongue here? Who can't? Oh, wow, it's a few. <laughs> there we are. But what we all can do is use our tongue constructively or destructively. Fire, James says our tongue's like a fire. Fire can be a really good thing. I mean, fire brings us warmth. In the winter when my central heating is on, there's a pilot light, a fire, that keeps the central heating working. The Industrial Revolution, of which Birmingham was at the centre at the beginning of the 19th century, was all kicked off by steam. Steam power, which is created by fire. So fire can be really good. But fire can be really destructive as well. You've seen those pictures on the television of those wildfires recently. Uh, the awful situation in, in the island of Maui in Hawaii. 115 dead, 1,000 people still missing. Some of them will never be found. Actually, we've got American friends whose daughter and husband are living on Maui and they've lost everything. 
They've lost their home, they've lost their car, they've lost all their possessions, everything burnt to a frazzle. And they're having to live with her brother on the other side of the island. Uh, he's got 13 people living with him, all of whom have, had, have escaped from the forest fires. In Canada, 150,000 people have been evacuated. That's nearly the population of Solihull Borough because of fire, the destructive power of fire. And your tongue, your tongue can do good things or it can do destructive things. You know, the, uh, um, James also refers it to the rudder of a ship. We went on a cruise earlier this year, and one of the really interesting things we did, we had a talk about what goes on in the engine room of the ship, which you don't normally see. And one of the things they talked about was the rudder. Now, I always thought on the bridge of the ship, the captain had this great big wheel, you know, and you turn the wheel, uh, apparently not anymore, you just have a tiny little wheel now, and most of it's all done by computer. But nonetheless, there's a tiny little rudder that steers this whole ship. And that rudder can steer the ship in a good direction to the port that it's going to. And thankfully, our, our ship ended up at the port that we wanted to. But the rudder can be destructive. Anybody seen Titanic? Yeah? What happened to the Titanic, the unsinkable ship? It sunk. <laughs> it hits what? Ice, an iceberg, it hits an iceberg. Yeah, so the rudder was destructive then. Our tongue can be, can be constructive or destructive. We can use it to say encouraging things to people or discouraging things to people. I'll give you a couple of brief examples. I got an email from a friend the other day who's a really, really good writer. And she said, Michael, I've just read your second Daniel book. Little plug here. Um, and she said, I'm just really encouraged by it. She said, actually, I don't normally read Christian books because I find them really boring. Um, but I read yours and it's really helped me to rebalance my life. In fact, she said, if there are more Christian books like yours, I'd read more of them. Anyway, getting an email like that, that was really encouragement to me because I sort of struggled with my writing. Why am I writing? Why am I doing it? You know, and that was a great encouragement. A word, an en okay, it wasn't strictly a word with the tongue, but it was a word that was put down on paper and transmitted. Now, it can work the other way. Um, when we were in Brussels and my son was about 16, we had a time, just like Chris invited there, where people could come forward and give a word that they felt was from God. And he was like 16, and he, for the first time he, he went forward and he gave a word, which took a lot of courage at that age, you know, in front of a whole load of adults, uh, about 150 people. And um, I thought it was a really good word, actually. Of course, I am rather unbiased in being my son, you know. Um, but uh, afterwards, this, this other person came up to him and said, that word wasn't from God, you know. I thought, hang on, <laughs> what's, what's this all about? You know, who does he think he is? Uh, and it really, it really deflated my son because he'd really plucked up the courage to do that and then, you know. Uh, thankfully, we were able to sort of help him through that. But it was a discouraging word. And incidentally, if you... Um, if you're not a preacher, let me tell you that if you, when you preach, it kind of takes quite a lot out of you. You know, you make an emotional contact, you share yourself. So if you've got something negative to say to the preacher, it's not a great idea to do it immediately after they finish preaching. Like I had once, actually. I, when I was in Brussels, I, I quoted a very controversial author. I won't say who. Um, and this man came up to me. I could see, I could see on his face. He said, I disagreed with everything you said. 
oh, oh, great. <laughs> and he was just about to launch into it. And God was very merciful because somebody else came along and asked me a question or they had something nice to say. And that, um, that got rid of him. But actually, he left the church a few months later. But anyway, that's by the by. But that's the discouraging word. Now, I want you to just on your tables for a moment to look at these questions. Um, share a time when you received an encouraging word from somebody and share a time when you, that share, the S is missing, uh, not hair, nothing to do with rabbits. Uh, share a time when you received a discouraging word from somebody and what was the impact of these words on you and, and on other people, okay? Just give yourself a few minutes to share that. Give a, people an opportunity to share. Okay, well, you, you'll have a bit of time, you'll have a bit of time afterwards to carry on those conversations. Because uh, James, James has a bit more. James has a bit more to say to us about the tongue. Listen to this. You can tame a tiger, not that I ever have done, I must admit, um, but it can be done. But you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father, just as we have been doing. And with the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush forth fresh water one day and brackish the next. Does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Blessings and cursings from the same mouth. There's a proverb in the Bible that says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Whoa, that's strong, isn't it? The tongue has the power of life and death. We can bring life to people by giving them an encouraging word, by blessing them. And you know what? Blessing is all over the Bible. One of the, what was one of the first things God did after he created Adam and Eve? Do you know? He blessed them. Great. Well done, Caitlin. He blessed them. Abraham blessed Isaac, Isaac blessed Jacob, Jacob blessed Joseph's sons, and so on and so on and so on. And there's something about intergenerational blessing. Maybe you were fortunate and received blessing from your parents or your grandparents. Maybe you didn't. But if you didn't, whether you did or whether you didn't, you can pass something on to the next generation. Not just your children, it might be your nieces or nephews. You can pass something on, a blessing to them by your words, by encouraging them. You know, the Jews can teach us a thing or two about this. Here's a, here's a little extract from a Jewish uh, book on family life that was written 400 years ago. It says this, Before the children can walk, they should be carried on the Sabbath and on the holy days to their father and mother to receive their blessing. After they're able to walk, they should go to them of their own accord with body bent and with head bowed to receive the blessing. And I think we've somehow lost 
the art of that a bit in our own society. Now, not only, though, can we bring blessing from our tongue, we can bring cursing as well. And when I'm talking about curses, I'm not just meaning like occult curses, although they are very uh, dangerous. Uh, thankfully, the power of God can neutralize them. But I'm talking about a curse can be a negative word consistently spoken to us. How many of you have heard some of these words spoken by perhaps a parent, a teacher, an employer, somebody important in your life? You're no good. You'll never make it. You're ugly. You'll never come to anything. These negative words repeated become curses. I know, because my father always said to me and about me, He's very highly intelligent, but has no common sense. That was my father's opinion. Um, yeah, Liz, Liz remembers it. He told her very quickly in our relationship. Thankfully, it didn't put her off. Um, but uh, and it took me a while to get over that one, you know. And um, when we were children, I don't know whether do children still say this, when somebody called us a name, we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Do, do people still say that nowadays? No, is that an old one? Oh, it's so good, I'm glad to see somebody. But you know what? It's just not true. Because name, although names, they don't break a bone, but they, they damage something much, much deeper inside of us when people say negative things to us. They're like a sword going into us. I just want you to just take a moment of quiet to reflect on negative things that might have been said to you or about you that are really still niggling you. Just be quiet for a moment and allow God to bring that to you. Now, now I've got some good news for you. There's another proverb, and it says this. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. You've seen those swallows, you know, going about here and there and everywhere. That's, if these words spoken to you in the form of, a, and have become a curse, if they weren't deserved, and most of them weren't, even if you at one time believed them, they won't come to rest. God will make sure of that. And here's even better news from Galatians chapter 3. Christ redeemed us, paid for us, from that self-defeating cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree? That's what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse and every other curse that has been uttered over us. Now, it's no good me preaching like this if I don't give an opportunity for God to do something. I believe God wants to break curses today, break negative words that have been persistently spoken over you. So I want to give you an opportunity now and it needs a response from your part so if that's you, 
and you want that broken, it's not a big deal. I want you to come forward and just stand here. I know it's a big deal to do that. There's no shame in it. If somebody else has said horrible things about you, I want to give you that opportunity. So I'm just going to wait a moment. If you know that there's negative things that are still bugging you and you want God to take away their power, now's your chance. Anybody else? It's a time for freedom, this is. Okay, that's great. I'm going to read that scripture again because I think it's really important. I'm going to read this over you. Christ redeemed each one of you from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse and dissolved any curses or negative words uttered over you. And so, on the authority of that scripture, I break the power of those curses in the name of Jesus Christ. I break those negative words and I declare that they have no more power over you. I pray that they, I banish them in the name of Jesus from your inner being and pray that where there has been cursing, there will be blessing. I pray you would hear God saying to you the opposite things to what people have said to you. That where there has been cursing, there would be the blessing of God. And I just pray for that blessing to come over each person standing here right now. Right now, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, go down deep into the inner being of each person here and release the curse and bring the blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can go back to your places. See, that wasn't too painful getting prayed for, was it? Eh? You know? But the power of God was there and is here. The power of God is here now. So, we talked about the tongue. I'm just going to spend a, just a couple of minutes speaking about wisdom, which is the second part of the book. But before that, I want you to, on your tables, just have another little question for you. Who do you see as a really wise person? It, may, it doesn't have to be somebody here. Perhaps there's nobody really wise here, you know. Um, it can be anybody, uh, somebody, a politician or a, a statesman or whatever, sports player. Who do you see as a really wise person and why? Okay, go for it. Okay, you can carry on. You can carry on that conversation. Who, who do you think, did anybody think of any wise people? Go on, J uh, Jacob. Your dad. Hey, there's a, yes. Your tutor. Great. Anybody else? Yeah, Neil. Bill. Yeah, he's a, he's great. He's a great wise guy. Yeah. Joe. Jo. Oh, me and Liz. Oh, I'm embarrassed to say that. <laughs> right. I did hear Rachel say Chris. So that's probably, they've been on holiday for two weeks. So that's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay. Here's what James has to say about wisdom. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. And it's dead simple. Live well 
Live wisely and live humbly. Humility is part of wisdom. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. That's the tongue, isn't it? That's the tongue, boasting. Twisting the truth to make yourselves sound wise isn't wisdom. That's the tongue again, isn't it? It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or to get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. Now, then I read this, and this really, this verse really jumped out at me. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results. And I thought, hey, that's what we're trying to do here at East. Develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results. How can we do that? Well, James tells us. He says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. And that means getting along not just with the people that you naturally like, but perhaps getting along with the people who you find slightly irritating or maybe very irritating. We are, will build a community by getting along with each other and, James says, treating each other with dignity and honour. And that's the key. That's the key. And that's my prayer for this community that we will be able to build that robust community that lives right with God, will be able to enjoy its results by really putting in the hard work of getting on with each other and treating each other with dignity and honour. So let's just uh, stand as we close. I invite the Spirit of God to bring things to our hearts. I think he's been saying, thing, saying things to a number of you. <clears throat> I just want to give you time to process that in the quiet. And... Um, yeah. So come, Spirit of God. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.